listening to Episode 5 of Fatalist, a podcast designed to analytically critique the showcase network Lost Girl, now also airing on Sci-Fi. My name's Dave, and I'm here with Wayne. And So, Wayne, what's been happening since last time? Uh, not too much. Started uh, watching a new series that you turned me on to, uh, Continuum, and uh, it was a really cool show. I liked it a lot All right. so far. Well... Uh, I, I mentioned last week my mea culpa on Falling Sky, so I uh, motored through season one in short order, uh, staying up way past my bedtime. <laughs> still, uh, still, still like it though. Oh, love it! And and just okay. to kind of answer, because you asked me about where they were, and they're still in season two, and I believe they they're at like either episode six or seven. And again, it's a ten season, uh, a ten episode season, and they've green lighted season three. So I'm I'm at episode three. Which, yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I, that's that's good because then now maybe I'll watch it. Because, right. but the thing is with Continuum though, I feel like I'm putting my heart out there again. You know, all these these new episodes come along with their interesting characters and their you know fancy production values, and they entice me and they they treat me nice, and and then they they leave me after one or two seasons and they break my heart. And I just I can't. I don't know if I can take any more of that. So. You know, well, the frustrating thing with Continuum is just that, you know, the numbers, I mean, maybe through the roof is a little extreme, but, you know, the numbers are, are significantly stronger than Lost Girl was uh, or had when, when, you know, its first two seasons. And they're still, you know, withholding whether there's going to be a season two and, and they still haven't cut the U.S. distribution deal. And it's just very frustrating because it really, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. It's going to get a season two. So uh, we'll see. But uh, all right, so why don't we do a little bit of news? And there's a little bit of Lost Girl news. And, uh, you know, this week uh, Lost Girl moved into its Friday night slot for the first time july 20th and i know what you're going to say about friday night wayne yeah it's a death slot and uh you know well it it, it didn't have that effect this week they, they well, you know what but that being said it's like the death slot for like most shows but like science fiction shows like a lot of sci-fi people are home watching tvs on friday night so right. don't well, be take offense to that because i am too right well the biggest thing it has for it is that it's not on fox yeah well, so, but but they did they on the first time they they put up 1.2 million viewers, which is you know pretty significant for uh, you know a cable show, particularly on a Friday night, and that was the first time. And they're at 10 o'clock again. Uh, you know, by comparison, in their last uh, airing on Monday, they were at uh, 860 thousand. So you know, so far it seems to be good. And, and in terms of where we are season two, because obviously from a spoiler perspective, we have to be uh, conscious of this. Next week's going to be Table for Fay episode 15 of season two. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, Miami Vice was on Friday nights and uh, had a nice long run. So, you know, maybe Lost Girl will be the Miami Vice of the sci-fi fantasy world we'll uh, the blazers and the t-shirts they could, if they could bring those back that'd be awesome i probably still have them in my mom's closet all right well what i want to do is take a look at and you know certainly chime right in some shows that are going to air in late 2012 and 2013 that that seem pretty interesting and right up our uh, alley so the first one's called 666 park avenue <laughs> and it's going to air uh, Sundays, ironically, Sundays yeah. at 10 p.m. on ABC. Sundays at 9, 10.30, and noon. Yeah. 
Um, so what it is, it's it's uh, obviously it's a drama that takes place at the ominous address of 666 Park Avenue, and the residents uh, have made apparently surprise surprise some sort of Faustian contract that again comes with a price, um, and it's it's uh, you know we've got this idealistic couple that takes charge of the uh, hotel, and uh, the woman's. Rachel Taylor, I mean, she looked familiar, and I looked her up. She was in Transformers, but I'm not a big Transformer yeah, I, movie. I but My kids watch it all the time, but I can only watch like five minutes. Okay, but but the other person that's in it is Terry O'Quinn, who we hey! all know as John Locke from yeah, Lost. Yeah, local boy. Uh, but what you'll like also is, uh, the you know, it was created by David Wilcox, who was previously on Fringe's staff and Life on Mars. So... Okay. Sounds like it could be interesting. Now, another be, one. Despite the lame premise of it, it, it does have some significant creds there. Terry O'Quinn himself is, will, will draw me in. Though, well, like I, as I just said, I don't think – I'm really – I'm taking another chance here with Continuum. I don't know if I can do this with multiple partners. Well, we'll see. But uh, the other one is Beauty and the Beast. And uh, apparently, you know, what I – you know, when I first ran across this, I thought, okay, they're going to reboot with – Right, Linda Hamilton was the original from the the '80s Beauty and the Beast, right? Oh, or was that before your time? Uh, you're probably talking. I, okay. I mean, that's '80s was kind of my time. I okay, was, I was a kid. All right, but anyway, I couldn't but, stay up till ten o'clock. But though. apparently, there were you know two networks had two different versions of a Beauty and the Beast reboot, and uh, you know the one that that won out is uh, going to be basically a reimagining of the '80s and. Uh, uh, it's going to air Thursdays on the CW. So, you know, it's probably got a chance because they're not going to have to generate these super ratings to, you know, to stay on. And uh, Kristen Kruk from Smallville. And I'm not a big Smallville fan. My brother is like huge <laughs> Smallville fan. So I'll have to talk to him about that. It does have that. a very loyal following. And uh, Jay Ryan from Terra Nova. And again, I'm not sure exactly who he was in Terra Nova. But, you know. Um, if you're into the beauty and the, I mean, we know the story. So, uh, what was the 80s show? Was it, was it like a modern day? It was a modern day and it was, uh, Girl gosh, it's the guy that's in, and... well, the, the, the beast was the guy, Ron Perlman, who was, yeah. uh, he always, he plays beasts and everything. Right. He's just a big guy. Well, he's in that motorcycle, uh, show. Uh, again, that's another one my brother watches, <laughs> uh. Well, uh, he was, uh, the Hellboy. He's Hellboy. Exactly. And okay. he was, what else did I see? He was just. In something, he was like a gangster. Yeah. Oh, it'll movie. He just ah, it'll come to me by the end. Well, I think Linda but Hamilton anyway, was the he's beauty. a very menacing, imposing type person. So he right. always gets uh, you know roles like that. Okay. Now the other one, and uh, I think I might have mentioned this in passing in one of our first episodes, but you know, if not, it's called Revolution, and and basically. Yeah, the the world is plunged into the after effects of no electricity, so there are no electronics. You know, nothing works. Sort of like a Jericho, sort of, and hopefully they'll do a better job of uh, Jericho. But uh, fifteen years have passed, and people have pretty much adjusted to uh, a non-electric world, and it's going to air uh, Mondays at ten p.m. on NBC with a September seventeenth premiere. So again, John Favreau. Oh, was he yeah. Iron Man? Is it, yeah, uh, he did both Iron Man movies and one of the funniest movies ever, Swingers. Okay, so he directed the pilot. J.J. Abrams is one of the executive oh, producers. Okay. So, 
you know, and it's produced by Bad Robot. So, you know, we'll see. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's, that's a seal of uh, quality there. Yeah. For now, sure. the last thing, and I, uh, I saved the best for last, Blood and Chrome, which uh, on again, off again, dead, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like from Monty Python. Oh, not quite <laughs> dead yet. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but uh, this is the 35th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. Now, now of course, the that's original, the original, yeah. right? And, but you don't uh, like, but I have fond memories of it from okay. when I was a kid. Okay. Well, they uh, they had a panel at Comic-Con this year, and, and, and as you might imagine, it was packed. And, and the two main panelists were Richard Hatch, who played Apollo yeah, in the original. Both. Right. Right. And then... Uh, and he was like the, I can't remember, the rebel leader in right, the... Right. Tom Zarek. Yeah, Zarek. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then also um, Jane Espenson, who was one of the writers and producers, and, and she also worked on Firefly. Uh, as well as B- BSG. So anyway, so they apparently, you know, held uh, a, a tremendous panel. But in response to a question about the status of Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome, which, you know, is going to focus on William Adama as a young man, Hatch said the product, a project is still viable and that, and that the powers that be are still figuring out where to place it. A sci-fi representative in the audience offered a, you know, yelled out, soon, uh, when someone asked when it would be available. So it, 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 Jane Espenson came on and said it could be an online um, offering, and that, but that it shouldn't be thought of as less than, those are her words, uh, if it ends up online. And it, because in, in a way, if it's online, they don't have the same um, you know, hindrances that they would have to deal with, with standards and practices and language and corporate accessibility and things like that. So, you know, it sounds encouraging. And then lastly, I'd forgotten about this, that uh, there's a Battlestar Galactica film that's been in the, you know, the planning stage for a while by this guy, Brian Singer, and that was brought up. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the X-Men. Right. And that uh, apparently it's in development and that, uh, you know, it's not dead either. So, well, I mean, there's obvious a huge following. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, why would you not? Why would it it baffles me that like Caprica didn't, didn't work out because there's so many Battlestar Galactica people out there. And I guess exponentially, especially now it's on Netflix. I mean, you know, that's a great thing about Netflix is that now more and more people can get turned on to BSG. And so, you know, maybe a, a BSG project like this will actually, you know, get teeth and hold on um, much as you know the the original show did well, well you we'll wonder see. you know like these these networks that start these shows i mean you have to understand you're going to have a small audience right i mean you're not going to bring in 10 million viewers every well, week well and that's that's where the the lost equation comes in because everyone that's everyone's looking for the next lost all these shows that we talked about last week you know journeyman flash forward all these you know high concept sci-fi shows they're expecting it to latch on to that huge lost audience, and when they don't, they they cut them, you know, because who knows why, you know, because they're well, they're expensive to make. They usually have pretty high profile actors in there that are probably expensive to pay as well, and it's not bringing in the revenue. So, bam, it's gone. But you're right. Like when you start a sci-fi show, you gotta understand that uh, you're not necessarily gonna rake in a huge like Lost was an anomaly. It's not right. happened all the time. Well, and that'll be the interesting thing with the Showcase Network in Canada, that, that, you know, you've got Lost Girl first, and now Continuum, and, you know, if they can keep their, you know, finances in check and still produce the same quality, and then, you know, keep producing them in, in Canada, and then sell them to sci-fi, 
and keep everything in perspective, um, you know, we might do all right. Who knows? Who knows? So, all right. So this week we're going to take a look at episode four of season one of Lost Girl, uh, Fatal Attraction. And, uh, you know, obviously if you've looked at the episode titles, they're all, you know, play on uh, movie titles, song titles. Poem titles last week. Yes. And, uh, Last week's opening was pretty cool, and we talked about it as you know, Bo rolled out of bed, and then uh, it showed the uh, young girl rolling in the forest. And, and this week's opening, I thought, was pretty cool because it, it opened right in the middle of the action, and, and and I know technically at the end of the action. Well, you know, well, right, well, right, and we'll get to that. <laughs> but now. yeah, like no, 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 nothing, just straight right. into. And, and you know, Farscape did that frequently and it's a cool technique i mean because you know there's no exposition there's no you just boom you're in the middle of the action and you know bo kenzie and dyson running as the building you know then explodes uh my personal favorite of that opening scene though is uh, dyson with the skull right remind you know a little bit of hamlet action there i kept waiting for him to start talking to the skull but uh, (laughs) uh what do you what do you think about you know thematically I mean, there's one word that came to mind for me. As far as just the opening? Yeah. Well, no, just the, the whole episode in general. Oh, geez. I don't, uh, oh, you say yours first, and I'll try okay, to Okay, rejection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, the I, I would, well, never, never like to assume. I, I would assume most of our viewers have seen Fatal Attraction with Glenn Close. Right. And if that movie teaches us nothing else, it's... Um, don't that, have a pet rabbit yeah right exactly or you know keep your pet rabbits in secure locations um also you need to do psych evaluations on the people you have affairs with yes so that don't just hop in the sack with the first pretty face you see if you think of cheating on your spouse um do a thorough background check on the person make sure they are not psychotic now you know, or just we, don't sleep with them right, stay faithful right. to your wife it's actually the better idea yeah i think so now we talked about last week about the how strong episode three was and and, and i thought this episode was was really strong as well and you know when, when you look at the rejection and obviously the first thing we deal with is uh bows in bed and it's it's like the whole pull the covers over your head i'm not getting up because you know it's on the heels of uh being dumped by dyson just the night before right right and you know of course no that's not going to do kenzie to the rescue and uh you know you're not going to lie in bed and uh, you gotta love the first okay step one to getting over being dumped was that the uh, ice cream no that was the sports car oh which you know it other than the spray paint on the side which i wasn't sure if they did that yeah, the the car didn't look in that bad a shape when they yeah. started. Oh, yeah. oh, the car, yeah, yeah. Well, then the, the playing Billy Squires the stroke while they were bashing it up too. Right. That was that was awesome. Uh, but but was, yeah. that, was, was that Dyson? That wasn't wasn't Dyson's car? Was it? I don't. No, that was just a car. I think. Yeah, just... I know, but I'm just saying it wasn't like you know it was in the middle of the field. Did they? Yeah. Did they steal oh, right. the car? Yeah. And... yeah. Smash well, up again. These are one of the things you just just don't ask the question. You just kind of accept it that there's a car out in the middle of the field that when you're a little frustrated, you can come in and uh, take a crowbar. But to. what is Kenzie's profession? Well, she she is a thief. Okay, so uh, she is a thief. Okay, but as, anyway. as she proves twice in this episode. Right. So anyway, after the uh, car smashing, they head over to the Fay Bar and for a girls' night out. And uh, you know, I, I, I thought. 
you know, this was a great scene as as Bo's starting to, you know, get over it a little bit. And we see, you know, the you know, the catharsis that she's going through juxtaposed with, do you remember what, you know, Dyson in the police station? Right, with Dyson's his young... having his own issues. And that what we see is, you know, as we had mentioned last week that Dyson is kind of breaking up with Bo. He doesn't really want to. We talked about how it seemed very kind of orchestrated, the whole breakup thing, uh, Bo finding him, like Dyson orchestrated. And, uh, it's apparent that he really is having difficulty letting her go, that there, there is some, and, and I think this, the whole, if you look at the episode as a whole, definitely plays that out, that, that Dyson certainly has uh, actual emotional feelings for her. And I criticize him as being like the, Hey, if you ever need healing, you know, I'll take one for the team. But uh, you know, he's, he's actually, I mean, it's affecting his work. I mean, he just rips his kid's well, arm out. And, and I, I like, you know, again, the, the, you know, the, the parallel between, you know, uh, Bo smashing up the car and then, and then him, you know, yeah, you know, smashing th- up the kid right now. And, and, you know, by all accounts, he probably deserve, did deserve a good ass kicking. Right. Um, he's, but he, he's definitely a petulant teenager right. that everyone wants to just right. smack around every now and then. It's not broken. It's separated. <laughs> As he pops it back in. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, he's ordered to see the police psychologist. And and again, it's like, you know, you mentioned, you know, what you said last week. And in fact, I think Kenzie calls him a douche this week at at some point. But I think twice she she says she uses douchey as a adjective earlier and then later on refers to him. Right. But, you know, for him, it's. As opposed to Hale, Hale just seems to like, you know, nothing bothers Hale, but, it, you know, it's like he's caught between the human and the fae world, and it's, you know, again, I think that you realize that that he is a real person because I think it's mostly his uh, rejection of Bo that bothers him the most because, you know, he didn't do it willingly. Right. And he's also, I mean, he's got a good point that, as he mentions to, to Hale, he's caught between you know, as you said, the, the the world of humans and the police station, the world of Faye, and then now Bo. So, like, he's got these three things all pulling at him, and, and he's feeling very upset and strung out. And so he's ripping teenagers' arms out of their sockets. Right, and all back to the rejection. Now, uh, Bo and Kenzie are still having their great time when uh, Dr. Lauren enters the bar, thereby doubling the number of humans in attendance. Uh, right. And, you know, and who is claiming Lauren, right? Because doesn't Kenzie have to be with Bo whenever she goes in Well, I think place? they, you know, again, that's something obviously that we know from subsequent episodes, but I think they, they've already said that she's the property of the Ash. So she just gets to go wherever she wants. She the Ash doesn't have to hang out. Right. You know, so as long as she's on Ash business, I suppose, um, you know, that, that she's fine. And, and nobody questions her because we assume they know who she is. And, and you know, she, I guess, is the Fay doctor. You know, she right. treats their, uh, you know, their Fay ailments. Well, Bo's pretty drunk at this point. And, well, there's uh, also that, you know, where... Uh, Kenzie's talking to Lauren, oh, she's so cold and and everything. And obviously that comedic uh, touch where she's talking about Lauren. Lauren's right there. She doesn't realize Lauren's right there. And then she does. And the comedy ensues. So Right. And and again, you know, one of my favorite non-sci-fi shows, NCIS, they use that all the time. You know, it's like Gibbs is standing right behind me, isn't he? And everybody nods. Um, but there, yeah. again, some great lines. And, and I think you, you know, mentioned last week, it, it, it looks to be at this point that Kenzie's going to get all the good lines. Yeah, w- without a doubt. Um, but uh, Though Bo, I think the best line in this one is, is, a, is Bo's. 
So we'll talk about okay, that well, we'll next get that. little bit. Well, there are a couple here, you know, in that, uh, uh, Lauren, you know, uh, you know, are you okay? You know, you seem pretty drunk or whatever. And Bo assures her that she can still perform in this state. And Lauren says, well, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a drunken succubus booty call. <laughs> yeah, I had that written down too. That's a good line. Um, and then after Lauren leaves, uh, do you remember what Kenzie said? Don't. That was some serious sparkage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you know the the you know the the you know the the Lauren and Bo, you know. which which we saw in episode one in the pilot, right. we right. we saw that attraction between them right away, especially when Bo does a sucky touch on her, and so that is still apparent, and you know. Lauren having to restrain. We see there's a lot of re words here because the second word I've been bringing in the theme as restraint. Um, Dyson has to restrain himself. He can't go at it with Bo as he wants to. He can't have an emotional attachment to Bo as he apparently wants to. Lauren feels a strong atta- attraction to Bo, but also has to restrain herself because she's you know she works for the Ash and. And, and Bo's not aligned, so then she can't help her out and everything. So there's there's a lot of people kind of holding back on, on Bo and, you know. Okay. Well, somebody that doesn't hold back is the Faye couple that no, they uh, do not. invites Bo to join them in a threesome. Actually, it was the husband, and, and uh, you know, when she says, you know, are you sure your wife's going to be okay with this? He goes, my wife's a fury. You think I would be here? Yeah. Um, did he say what kind of fae he was? I can't remember if he did or I don't not. I think we ever learned with, yeah. with Samir what type uh, of fae he right. was. Right. But, uh, you know, the uh, the whole thing about furies, and, and you know, I, I just wanted to verify it. I was pretty sure I remembered back from my uh, classical mythology days. But the god, three, go- three sisters, the goddesses of retribution. Right. And they it's from the Oristaya at first, I believe. They... they they get on Orestes until he goes and avenges his his father. Right at the who died at the hands of his mother. His right? mother, right? right? Uh, okay, that was oh goodness, wow. Clytemnestra. Was it Clytemnestra? I think so. I could be yes. wrong. Yes, right. Okay. Uh, we, be, we better stop then, now then before <laughs> Orestes and Electra uh, chase after him, and uh, that's we get the Electra complex and everything right. from there. So we get a pretty hot scene, and uh, they go back. Yes. To, they go back to Bo's place, and uh, you know we see poor Kenzie downstairs eating ice cream <laughs> or whatever with the dust falling into her into her bowl ice from, cream. From but uh, yeah, um, then the line we're going to need a safe word. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. the suck you eyes, uh, right. suck you eyes. Uh, pop up so that that was a really funny line as well but yeah it's a pretty intense scene there of yeah. now we, human interaction right not that uh, the couple didn't enjoy themselves but we we find out the next day that there was an ulterior motive and the woman shows back up uh, yeah you know it's just it's uh, there's always some ulterior motive with sex yeah. in this place man just they, no one can just go out and enjoy it. They, these okay. these people. Luckily, it's the two thousands because all these characters would be out of place in the sixties, attaching all these strings to sex and everything. Right. Um, so, a couple questions. What are your rates for exterminating humans? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, Ken- well, let me check the menu. Ken- here. Kenzie uh, it went well, up this week. Taxes. Well, you know. Kenzie's that's going to cost extra. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, she. Let's us know that that her husband's having an affair with a human. So here we again we get into the rejection thing. You know she's being rejected by her her husband. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and and the other contempt that Olivia has for all the humans, just because you think, 
Seriously, you you walk into you don't even know Bo, and if anything you should know about her is that when she instead of aligning, she says, "I choose humans." So you walk into this place and tell this lady that, "Well, I want you to kill a human," and just the complete brass of that, like right. like just assuming that she's going to be all right with that, and the complete disdain she has for all humans. She's not even afraid to, um, you know, and you know, we'll see this happen in later episodes as well. That some fae don't even care; they they will, you know, just badmouth humans right in front of their face because they're less than dirt you know right. they they with, treat them with such contempt I, I don't even need to watch my language in front of them right well the you know the again uh the, the whole spoiler issue i mean uh olivia says she'd do it herself but being light fey you know you can't really because the light fey apparently you know while they don't welcome humans they respect them they you know respect them enough to leave them alone right as opposed to what we're at this point, it kind of, you know, we don't have a whole lot of experience with dark Fay yet other yet. than the Morrigan at the, at the beginning, really. So we don't really, I mean, we assume, but, uh, uh, but the in- interesting thing, like you were kind of mentioning this, you know, again, the fact that Bo's unaffiliated is what's drawing these people to her. You know, that's why I chose you, you know, the guy that wanted to uh, get, to, you know, get together with his father. Yeah, yeah, we got something that's a little shady, a little outside of the the rules of of the Fey. Normally, we wouldn't be able to do it, but now there is a method. They can come to Bo and take care of these things that kind of fall between the cracks of what is okay and what is not in the Fey world. Right, and and you know they're putting her in the position of choosing Fey versus human, and and you know even though they're not going to take the job, you know she's not going to kill the human. Now you've you know, I had this philosophy professor in, in college, and he would refer to it refer to it as laying your trip on me, right? So now that <laughs> right. you know, now they know what they can't Olivia's just planning. Go and and put on a DVD of Hannah and her sisters. They need to now find the girl because they they, they feel responsible for saving her. Right. Um, pretty cool scene when Olivia. Um, and Bo go at it, and uh, you know our girl looks like uh, she's, you know, may, might not make it out of this one. But you know, she grabs her handy toaster. It always should have a a towel and a toaster handy whenever you're in trouble. And uh, you know, the the girl uh, what was her name Jenny. Jenny is a girl, yeah. So I guess she doesn't know that Samir's Fay, and and so now Bo's got to protect her from the Fury, but also has has to protect the Fay from exposure. So now we've got another rejection because apparently the Jenny's been rejected, right? Because Samir, you know, yes. she thought it was you know more than apparently he, you know, I guess he thought it was a one time thing, and she thought it was a, a relationship. Right, and a place where Samir should have shown restraint. And we go back to our previous comments of saying how, really, guys, just infidelity, it never works out well. No. Just, it's a, don't, don't do it. Don't so, do it. It's not going to, you know, should love your wife, not mess around on her. Right. Especially because there could be a potentially crazy chick that you're messing around with. Right. Now, another cool scene, um, you know, so Ken- Kenzie's given the job of babysitting uh, Jenny. And, uh, you know, we find out that Olivia, at least we think, has killed Samir, uh, but uh, his head's missing. Yep. Not just off, but gone. Right. Now, we're not sure how they know, but like Dyson and Hale show up uh, at the crime scene. And, you know, I think they mentioned, you know, they're keeping it out of the books. Right. uh, Keep it it away from the, the humans. 
so we don't know completely freaked out right so we don't know if uh you know Bo or kenzie called them but uh using his wolf he knows that Bo was there and and you know finds the blood confronts her um knows that the furies always have sisters so he try you know i guess he knows uh, the suburban home in which the other two sisters live yeah and uh you know finds them Hale uses his siren, which I thought was a you know siren, uh, police siren. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we see, yeah, and yeah, the sirens like from from mythology that uh, lead sailors uh, to jump to their deaths and everything. So he, you know, it's a sweet talker, as we assumed from before. Have we seen him? Do have, have we seen him use his? No, I don't this think is the first so. Time? It's hard to remember the first time we see these things. Yeah. I- so yeah, it's like that little strip of wibbly wobbly stuff coming yeah. out of his mouth that he then leads uh doctor, olivia because, doctor who reference right <laughs> uh leads olivia out uh who is too crazy to she won't come out of the house herself right so um now you know all this is not going unnoticed by the ash and even though she's unaffiliated i think you know one of the things that that we're learning here and and you know at the end of the episode you know we can talk about you know what some of the things we learn is that, you know, the Ash wants to know what the heck's going on here. You know, you seem to be in the middle, you Bo, that is, and, and uh, Olivia dies on Lauren's uh, hospital table. So the Ash, you know, he wants some answers. And, you know, while all the evidence points, to Oli- points towards Olivia, um, pretty cool scene when Kenzie opens up the bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and you knew uh, at this point where we, well, Olivia dies, right? And she, right before she dies, she says, I didn't kill my husband, right. which, you know, anyone who detail oriented, I'm not. And of course, I'd seen this before, but still, it was pretty obvious, not pretty, but fairly obvious from the front to the start that uh, Olivia didn't do it. When she runs out and says, succubus whore, and just keeps yeah. running, you know, she's got no sword, no knife, no nothing, no cutting instrument. She's not carrying a head. And uh, she, you know, the she looks more distraught than 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 murderous. And certainly, had she murdered Samir, uh, she probably would not have stopped there. Right? I mean, we assume she she would probably try to go after Bo as well. Um, so, at this point, then the the number of suspects. We said, well, if it wasn't Olivia, then who? And it's like, well, the only other person really left around is is Jenny, who was acting pretty crazy right. back at you know, like asking questions. Oh, what is? What restaurant does Bo like? Yeah. Right, right, and and you know again, you know the the you know literary elements of you know um, dramatic irony where we, as the viewers we we've pretty much figured that out or or at least you know think that. And at this point, Kenzie, she, I think, just thinks this girl is very weird. Yeah. And I'm going to look, you know, I guess that's why she's just looking through her bag. I'm, you know, I don't think she expected to find a bloody chainsaw. Right. I'm, I'm quite sure, especially from the, the look of horror on her face. And she right. Finds it. And, she, and she certainly was not expecting a bloody chainsaw. But I guarantee you she was expecting then to further find a bloody head in a plastic bag, which actually, once you see the bloody chainsaw, you got to figure, well, there's probably some appendage or of a human body to come after this in the bag right and uh you know it's it's not too long after this that we you know that that we figure out that you know she's a serial killer and that this is not the first time she's been rejected and 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 
she doesn't take rejection well. She does not take rejection well. She's very, very bad with rejection. Right. And you already mentioned it back at the beginning. And here's where we find out, oh, the beginning of the episode's actually right. the end. And uh, Yeah. Which, well, which, you know, you know right from the start. You know, but, but when they have the long shot coming into the farmhouse, they say, oh, well, finally, we must be in the last 10 minutes of the show because that's the farmhouse we saw in the very beginning. And this is where... They're going to come running out. This is where the show ends. It right. begins and ends, you know, same place. Right, and and personally, that's that's a plot device that I really like. You know, so whether it's, uh, you know, that that uh, you see your your favorite character who's who's you know looking you know just really in bad shape, and then it flashes across the screen, um, you know, like forty eight hours earlier, and or or whatever, and and. Uh, um, you know, so you yeah, know, Lost they, did that a lot, didn't they? They did that I a lot. I like that a Lost. They, they yeah. definitely used that a yeah. bit. Uh, I was just watching, we were rewatching the Sarah Connor Chronicles this past week, and there's a couple episodes where they did that that way. Um, the one where they have uh, Cameron's story, and then John's story, and then um, Sarah's story, and you get the same, it, they all lead up to the same ending point but then is that in season two it's season season two yeah, okay which i tell you, you gotta watch man. Oh, well, I'm, no. it's incredible oh man what a great show just uh when uh season two especially well at, you know at, at this point we've had our uh climax and now we're in the i guess the denouement section uh to where uh that'd be know, the falling action the, you know, well, where <laughs> bo tells dyson you know that that uh, they have this thing called friends with benefits and and uh you know, you're perfect. You don't care. You don't die. And I trust you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they both look, uh, you know, uh, they they both look pretty happy. I mean, happier than they have at all. Yeah. And it looks like another RE word that they've reached some kind of reconciliation here that, you know, they understand. She understands it. And this is where the show kind of says, take your preconceptions about traditional social mores and just kind of you don't have to check out the window. Just set it aside and understand that uh, two people can have a relationship that doesn't necessarily involve them exchanging cards on Valentine's Day. And right. You know, it's like that they can have that type. Of, and of course, Dyson, this is kind of the relationship he's been going for the whole time. You know, from word one, he's been saying, well, I can be there to heal you and everything. Um, and now she's coming up with the idea. Right. And so I think it shows a, a pretty strong level of mature, a lot of people would say that's not a mature relationship. But I think it's mature of Bo to realize that she wants to have this. There's aspects of Dyson that she, you know, basically needs. I mean, she gets hungry. She needs to 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 have sex. Um, it's it's not something that she. I mean, obviously she enjoys so doing, but she has to do. She has to do, or she kills people, and that's been her problem. That's one of the things that she admires. Well, not admires, but that she loves about Dyson is that. I can sleep with him, and he stays alive, which right. is really now. Well, now with the, the Olivia and Samir, it's happening again. Okay, but, so you don't think there's anything emotional? Oh, there, there at definitely this point. is. There definitely is, but they are at least on the surface are kind of putting okay. it out there like it's just a you know whatever. It's just fun, sex, having friends. You know, there's no emotional attachments, and of course there is. You can't. There's always emotional attachments, and that's the thing about. The S word is that you can't, the, the emotional attachment is always there. That's like with fatal attraction, you know, kind of like it's turning back. The movie, part of the point was you can't just go out there and, and have sex with someone and expect that that's the end of it. There, right. There's, like, you know, I jokingly referred to the 60s or free love. I mean, we know free love 
didn't work. Free love turned into it wasn't free, right? It wasn't free. Yeah, it turned into herpes and gonorrhea and and AIDS and everything. It, it but also it turned into for my generation, half of our parents getting divorced. Right. You know, like a, a very high divorce rate and everything. Um, and so you know, it's 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 not there. There is no consequence free sex. Right. College kids, listen to this. Okay, <laughs> there is no such thing. It's a myth. Uh, you always have to deal with it with something in the morning. And most times it's dealing with another human being. Right. So they're both playing the game that it, it's okay. And it's just going to be this level. But as we see at the very end with Dyson, that it's more. Right. And, the, the, I mean, I, you know, I just thought the writing – well, look, the writing's been really strong on, on all of the first four episodes. But, but, again, you go through all this, and then the last scene, he's at the police psychiatrist office again, and, and he's doing his uh, strong, silent type, like we went through this with his first session. And she's right. like, fine, don't say anything. You think you're the first one that's never talked, and then all of a sudden, um, well, there's this woman. And then to the credits, yep. you know, so That's we, it. so we know, so, uh, you know, we, we've got the romantic rejections and, and, you know, I think we could probably name four of them that came up in this episode, you know, Dyson of Bo, Samir of Jenny, Samir of Olivia. Uh, but I guess one of the things I was thinking about it, that it also looks at Bo's rejection of the light fay. that, you know, um, I think what she's learning is that being unaffiliated maybe isn't all it's cut out to be or what she thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And she, she still has to play within the Faye rules. Um, and we talked about restraint before. She has to restrain herself because Kenzie's like, we got to tell Jenny, you know, we got to tell Jenny all about the Faye. And Bo's like, no, you know, we can't um, because they think Olivia's after her. So, you know, Kenzie's like, we got to tell her what, what is in store for her, who's after her, what what to expect. And Bo's like, we can't do that. You know, so she's obeying the rules. So she's restraining herself from what she might normally um, be inclined to do. And, uh, and, and so despite her you know, not being affiliated, she still has to play by the rules. And she knows that. And she knows there's certain ones like not letting the humans find out about the Fae. That's like, as we said last week, that's rule number one. You, know, you can't do that. Actually, two weeks ago we mentioned right. that. Well, and, and uh, you know, she knows what we know, okay? So what do we know about the dark fae? Nothing, right, except for the right, Morgan. You know, right, that's... right. So, you know, the, the, the assumption that light fae good, dark fae bad, you know, may or may not be true. I mean, she, from what she sees, the light fae do plenty of things that, that she considers you know, maybe not good. So, right. but the uh, ash is cool, man. You got to give it up. That, the ash, the, is, the ash cool. is cool. That guy exudes cool. I've never seen that actor in anything else. I can't believe it because he's just like, man. He walks in a room and he just like is authority and, and he's got that voice. Like, man, if I were a director, I would cast that guy in everything I did. He's right. I don't and, know what the actor's name is, but yeah. But, and, and that's the thing we learn about the, the light fay hierarchy and that uh, you know the fact that she's on a line doesn't matter. She can't simply do as she wants to. Um, the uh, right. which is actually, I mean, she's actually kind of used to that though, because her whole life has been whenever she's kind of given in to her temptations or desires, something that people have died, something bad has happened. Uh, she mentions it again uh, this time. I can't remember in what line, but I remember she had said it. So she, you know, she's really always been under restraints, and now at least she's found some kind of stability in her life, but still having to live by others rules um 
humans played a big part in this one. I mean, Kenzie obviously always does. Um, you know, we, we see Kenzie and Lauren who kind of have contrasting personalities and, and, you know, we see the, you know, when they're drunk in the bar, girls night out and Lauren's, you know, real serious, Dr. Lauren, you know, are you sure you're okay? You sure you should be, you know? And then the other thing we see is with this Jenny and that, you know, humans aren't necessarily powerless when confronting the Fae. True. Cause yeah, she's, it turns out she's the one, as we said, that, that killed Samir. And it also turns out that the whole thing with Samir was, you know, that this girl, she's built it up in her head, much like Glenn Close's character in Fatal Attraction, where what uh, Samir thought was a one-time dalliance uh, for her, she thought was an actual uh, affair, which ironically enough, because she thought was an actual affair, is then what caused Olivia to go a higher bell and really actually set all these events in motion was it started out. But, but as I said earlier, um, my moralistic stand, I took that, uh, you know, that messing around, this is just all, this is just, this is what happens when you practice to deceive. Right. Fey world or human world. Yep. Anywhere. It's the same everywhere. Crazy chicks or crazy chicks, whether they have supernatural powers or not. Right. So, all right, Wayne. So another great episode and, uh, you know, man, the show is on a roll. It is. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it pulled you in the first time, maybe the second one, you're like, eh, but the next two, bam, bam, really great. And this one, like just right from the start. I mean, when you open it with that scene like that, you, I'm, I'm watching until the end. I'll, I'll, I might not even fast forward through all the commercials. Yeah, yeah, but, because they, well, they bring almost, you in right away. I almost turned it off for when the threesome scene, but <laughs> yeah, that was a bit okay. Much. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so uh, Wayne and I decided this week, or actually, Wayne, it was Wayne's uh, uh, call this week for season one, season episode twenty one, episode twenty three, twenty three of, of Community. Community, which. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned last week. I, I've seen the pilot, and that's all. So, you know, I know the basic story that it's a group of uh, community college students that are thrown together through you know circumstance into what turns out to be a study group. But it's you know they don't do too much studying apparently, and uh, it's a comedy. Chevy Chase was uh, pretty much the only actor that I knew. In it, a couple of the others looked vaguely familiar. Well, the, Joel McHale was on uh, Talk Soup before he. Took oh, the you're job. right, 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 right. And I had right, I have but seen not him. nearly the star caliber of Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase was definitely the guy they brought in to to bring other people in. Though, if they'd seen a lot of the stuff Chevy Chase had done recently, they'd, they'd wonder, maybe question that. But he's he's very funny on the show, right? And it, you know, you've got the age variance from the you know the the you know the actual probably. 18, 19, 20-year-old freshman up to, you know, Chevy Chase, who's, you know, probably in reality in his 60s or, you know, at least maybe early 70s. Oh, yeah, he's probably, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. My parents are in their, get pushed in 70s, so he's probably in his 60s. Yeah. I think he's probably a little bit younger than my parents yeah. are. So, all right, so anyway, why don't you go ahead and... All right. Well, community is, um, let's start off with, because there's a lot, actually, we mentioned this in the news part, because talking about community is that, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the guy who created the show, Dan Harmon, actually got fired from it after this past season, season three. So uh, a lot of community fans are wondering, what will the show be like without Dan Harmon, who, by all reports, it, it was his baby. He did everything. He was very much a micromanager. It's like, what would 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer be if Joss Whedon suddenly got... Now, has season okay. four started yet? Not yet. Okay. And they've only got 13 episodes for season four right now. So there's, you know, if people, if you are a fan of the community, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, everyone, you know, every man, Jack, of you get them out there watching community because we got we to gotta save this show. They've got 13 episodes to get the ratings up uh, to see if NBC will renew it and do the rest of season four. Um, so... As community, this particular episode, which is by far what I want to get people into community, I say, okay, watch Modern Warfare, you know, because that is probably the absolute best episode. And then there's a lot of great episodes. They're very similar in that way that they um, show. Dan Harmon's obviously very much into a lot of pop culture and uh, truly loves these things because, you know, you watch, you know, he loves the Terminator movies. He loves zombie post a lot apocalyptic movies you know because that's really what are they're paying homage to in this one um so uh you know it starts off with you know we see the community group together with a very like very you know sitcom-y beginning like uh jeff and britta are having the sexual tension and the other group mentions it and they're or comment on it really quickly and so jeff says all right i'm gonna go take a nap and he goes and then now everything just flips you know like what was for the first couple minutes, a completely normal, everyday, cliche-type uh, sitcom now is just have veered wildly out of control as Jeff wakes up in his car from the nap in a, even with the, the music, like, a, like you know, um, if you've ever seen uh, 28 Days Later um, in uh, Cillian Murphy, when he wakes up uh, in a hospital bed and the, there's no one around, the, everything is devastation all around him. There's no people around. He wakes up in the middle of London. Jeff wakes up in the middle of his car with paintball marks all over the place. And something obviously has happened. Right. I mean, a desolate uh, college campus, uh, the streets, you know, there's trash everywhere. It, it just basically looks like, you know, the proverbial bomb hit it. So. Yeah, and then uh, so he gets out, and uh, and immediately uh, people start chasing with uh, paint paintball guns. Uh, actually, it's the the old guy; I can never remember his name. Uh, but uh, Abed then makes a very sci-fi move, kind of hitting the sidewall, takes out the guy, turns around, and says, "Come with me if you don't want paint on your pants." <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and, just like- and like you mentioned, I mean, and and I. I'm shocked that I didn't wake my wife up because, uh, you know, she was, you know, several feet away from me laughing so hard. Uh, I mean, but but like you said, almost every sci-fi visual scene, fight scene that you see, you know, and it's always two, you know, you've got a paintball gun in each hand and they're doing the the sideways dive through the air, (laughs) slow motion as they're firing. Like, have you ever seen, um, was it, uh, uh, oh... The name of the, the the guys who made uh, Shaun of the Dead made a cop movie, um, but the one guy says, "Have you ever, have you ever fired off two guns and gone woo or something?" He's like, "No, I've never fired off two guns and gone woo." You know? Yeah, it's like definitely one of those uh, uh, cliche type oh. action movie scenes. It's great, but you know, I mean, the whole. Uh Kind of like, like I think you mentioned last week, post-apocalyptic look, and and uh, you know, so it's got elements of of sci-fi, elements of Survivor, because you know, as they, I, I forget which character says, you know, yeah, we'll form an alliance, and but that's just to uh, weed everybody else out. So we get down to, to us, right? And, and then, 
And then I think somebody's just, you know, just kind of, you know, just arbitrarily shot somebody they were talking to that thought they were safe for the conversation. Right. Um, but, you know, again, I mean... It, it, oh, it, when, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, Chevy Chase's character shoots Starburns. Starburns right. is a big recurring character in, uh, in Community. Right. But, I mean, a fun episode and, and you know, yeah. much like the... Uh, um, well, there, you know, there's a couple... South like, Park episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, there's the... Uh, um, when when Jeff walks into the, the study group room and, and Troy, who's wearing football pads and uh, like those old shop goggles right. on his head, goes, Jeff Winger, you son of a bitch. You know, like, you know, those old movies, like, yeah, all the sci fi movies, like when you see someone you thought was dead and everything. And, and then there's, uh, you know, younger generations might not catch the, um, you know, study group come out and play from the, the Warriors, right? Which, yeah. Which says, uh, seminal uh, 70s movie. Um, that Michael Paré or was it? I, I can't remember. Yeah. I think maybe it might be the, but uh, the, a fantastic movie and, and, you know, Dan Harmon referring to the Warriors right there. If, if he'd done nothing else the entire episode, I probably would thought it was great, but that's only one of a, a zillion uh, references to pop culture and movies and sci-fi movies that's that's in this episode that yeah i mean this is like the fifth time i've seen this episode i'm still was laughing my rear end off as i was watching it you know my kids are like what are you watching and i'm like it's you know it's just that's it's it's a it's a classic it's a really really good episode and if you liked it people seriously go rent the dvd and please watch season four all right so uh i guess it's my pick for next week yeah, your turn. Now, um, I almost was going to pick, and, and I, I've i mentioned I've got a good friend of mine who's a huge Buffy fan. And, uh, you know, he loaned me the discs. I watched the pilot episode uh, several years ago. To be honest, I, I couldn't remember anything that happened in it. Uh, must not have thought it was that great. But uh, And I almost was going to pick that, and I thought, no, we'll go with the lost connection and go with vampire diaries uh, ian summerholder from lost remember boone right the first the first character the first losty to die you know after he uh fell out, i guess that was when he fell out of the it's plane a, right the plane yeah. yeah and uh um you know i mean that's but like everyone in lost never gone but not forgotten still right. keeps popping up in episode after episode right so vampire diaries i mean it's it's got multiple seasons the the ratings are pretty good uh you know i i hesitated because it is vampires after all but yeah. i'm going to assume it's not uh um you know Kristen stewart robert patton and pattinson type so we'll take a look at the pilot and uh, go from there yeah, as long as they can, yeah, stay away from the the Twilight stuff, then then we'll be all right. I think. Right. So, yeah. vampires, yeah, got briefly cool, but then now, you know, I, once uh, preteen girls latch on to something, then the coolness is pretty much drained out of it, and it's time to move on. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the audience is for Vampire Diaries. I don't really know a lot about it, other than that um, it's either. got several seasons, that the, the ratings are decent, and that Ian Summerholder's. Uh, one of the stars. So that's about all I know. And, and like off nights from uh, True Blood, maybe thinking if if you, did, you haven't got enough vampire in that show, then you know watch this. On, now, do you watch True Blood? No, I told you, I, no okay. HBO. Too cheap. Oh, for okay. It. Um, yeah, you know, it's it was good the first couple seasons, but it just I don't know whatever. It just didn't didn't grab me enough to keep going. All right. So the final segment that we've uh, 
been doing each week is our top 10 list and and you know I think Wayne and I've been saying that that's it's getting more difficult to come up with top 10 lists so we'll have to perhaps revisit whether we're going to do this every time or not but yeah, maybe uh, just every other time yeah, just but, for special occasions right but we'll figure that out so what we decided to do uh, this week is not necessarily give you a, a list in order but to throw some names out there and that uh, we'll probably then generate a list and post it on the website. But uh, sci-fi baddies, okay, those uh, those villains of science fiction, fantasy, supernatural that uh, you know that that we've learned to love to hate. And you know, I think we both agree. I mean, it, it's I don't think you can have a sci-fi villains list without Darth Vader. No, he's okay. got he's yeah. Obviously. Right. So, uh, so we, you know, we, we yeah, you know, what, now, not that we're saying he's going to be number one, but I mean, certainly he was the first one that came to my mind. And, you know, in terms of cultural references, I mean, he's, he's everywhere. Yeah, he's the know. archetypal villain. Every bit, he's, he's got the whole thing. Joseph Campbell, uh, obviously, George Lucas, very influenced by Joseph Campbell. And so he really nailed all the, the typical archetypal villainous attributes and the voice of james earl jones to boot yep so and we're talking the darth Vader from the first three and that doesn't mean episodes one two they were talking episodes four five and six here people the original three not darth vader as he became in episode three now, now that you mentioned that i've uh I, you know and i i think i probably saw them when they came out or, or rather when they were released on video because i uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned on on the podcast, but I don't go to the movies at all. The last movie I actually went to in the theater was the remake of Planet of the Apes with Marky Mark. Oh, my goodness. And really? I was in that was the, ages ago. Right. I went to the 11 o'clock showing. There were like five guys my age in different <laughs> corners of the, you know, and it was cool. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, what, about 2003, maybe, something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. 2002, I think, even. Okay. It was a while back. Um, I saw the X-Files movie in 1998 in a theater, and uh, I think my wife dragged me to Prince of Tides uh, at some point. uh, Wow, the few movies that you've seen, and I mean, Prince of Tides is actually a decent movie, but you you should... Yeah, so, uh, all right, so who do you want to add to the list? All right, Darth Vader's a good one. I am going to, there are going to be a number of Doctor Whos here, but I'm going to throw in The Master. And again, as I mentioned last week, I know he's been, he's an old villain from the early shows too, but I really, you know, like how John Sims played him in the um, the newer versions, it was just, he was just great. And the, the best part about a good bad guy is he's not necessarily 100% bad, that there are some actual parts of the bad guy that, that we sympathize with. And the master, certainly, we are slightly sympathetic. And he actually ends up being heroic, um, all said and done at the, at the end. And, and certainly, hopefully, not done. You know, the, Hopefully, they'll, they'll find some way to bring uh, the master back, either as John Sims or, or in another incarnation, because that's just too great of a character. I, I'm right. positive he's not gone forever, because there's no way the Doctor Who's going to kill off the master once and for all. Right. Well, actually, the, and, and the, you know, the reason I brought up about me going to the movies is you know, what I've been watching. You know, I TiVo'd them a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm watching now episodes you know, one, two, and three of Star Wars. 
So uh, what was the first one? I'm, I'm watching Attack of the Clones. The Phantom Menace was Fan, one. Right. Attack of the Clones is two. Right. Yeah. And, and that, you know, so that obviously those of you that have seen them all, you, you, you understand, you know, how Darth Vader got to be Darth Vader. And, you know, what you just mentioned that, that you know, these great villains, part of what makes them great is that, you know, we, perhaps we see, uh, you know, how they, you know, what led them to, to, to get that way or, you know, that there's another side to them. Yeah, we certainly so. see that, you know, maybe that there, but for the grace of God. Yeah, we right. understand that for the real good ones, we can see part of ourselves. And, okay, I can see, like, and, and we slightly see that. You know, the, episode three was the best of the, those, the, the three uh, prequels, um, but still not anywhere near as good as the, uh, the, the, the original three. Right. All right, so I'm going to go with my with the next one, and and again, this is a show that uh, you know, along with Dollhouse, Firefly, uh, and Farscape, that that Wayne and I we're just you know we're sorry you know, but you know we're we're just going to keep you know preaching the gospel of these three, and, and you know, and, and the reason is because so many you know people that we know that claim to be sci-fi fans haven't seen one or all of these. So uh, from Farscape, Scorpius. And, uh, I mean, he just looks bad. Yeah. Um, he's got all the black leather, the, the, the nasty discolored skin. Right. Cause he's a hybrid, right? He's right. a human, he's um, part, part, no, not human. He's part scaring, right, right, part, right. uh, uh, one of the peacekeepers. Um, um, the, yes. Um, yeah, whatever they're right. They're <laughs> humanoid, but they're right. not that. Yeah. Well, okay. But, so uh, part it, peacekeeper, part scared. Right. And, and, you know, part of what, you know, he, he's, he's evil, evil, evil throughout, you know, season one, season two, you know, and then, but then he starts doing things that make you think, well, you know, has he changed? Is he on their side? Does he have ulterior motives? Well, yeah, we never know for sure, because we think that he's on John Crichton's side, and then he meets with the Scarens and tells them he's a spy, and so, and then he goes back with Crichton and says, well, I've been spying, and, you know, I'm telling the, you know, so we never, he just, he's, he's so, he's like that slippery guy, you know, like you never know if he's on the line, you never know whether you can trust him, and sometimes you trust him and it works out, sometimes you trust him and it doesn't, and when it doesn't work out, he has some reason why it didn't, you know, it's so... You never know until the very. You really have to watch through the Peacekeeper Wars to kind of get uh, an angle on uh, on. Scorpius. Well, and then there's the the uh, incarnation that's the implant in Crichton's head, which is hilarious. Yeah. I, I love because he, he was funny, you know, right? Like Wait, was, and he calls him Harvey, Harvey. which is the <laughs> obviously the reference to the James Stewart uh, movie Harvey, um, where he sees the imaginary uh, rabbit and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Scorpius is awesome. All right, who do you got? I got Khan from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Ricardo Montalban, who's actually reprising a role that he played in the original series. Uh, I, just say, I, I can't remember a ton about this movie, but I remember in seventh grade, we actually got our entire seventh grade team together, uh, and they put a TV up front, and we got to watch Wrath of Khan. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. That, and, and believe it or not, the, the Thriller video. That was eighth grade. Okay. They assembled the whole eighth grade team together to watch the Thriller video. Well, thinking about, you know, Star Trek, you know, again, you, and Wayne and I talked about, you know, because you've got the... You know, you've got the Romulans, and, and you know, or do you have a, a specific... You know, villain you want to pull out, but even Khan. I mean, Khan. You, you uh, I'm not sure if you remember. He was a little before your time in the original series. He was also a character. You know, there was an episode 
where Ricardo Montalban and yeah, that's Con, what I said. Right, yeah, yeah. okay, he's reprising a role. Oh, oh, okay, you did say that. I Sorry, did say that. Yes. Um, and 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 again, he's if you don't know who Ricardo Montalban is, I mean, he's just. I mean, is he still alive? I don't. I don't know. He's probably, you know, he's he's got to be. If he's still alive, he's really old. He's probably, you know, close to ninety. But he, I mean, into his fifties and sixties, he just exuded coolness. So here, you know, here he is in this uh, sci-fi setting, but it's you know sort of like Firefly, where you've got the, you know, the elements of the. You know the 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 Middle Eastern, you know, fifteen uh, hundreds look and uh, yeah, yeah, he's dead. He's he died. dead. He died <laughs> two years ago. Uh, but he also, when you when you you know search R I C A, he's like the first name that pops up. Okay. So he's still relevant, yeah. uh, gone but not forgotten. Treasure Island was not Treasure Island. Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island was the uh, the show he played. What was it, what was it, do you remember his character's name in that show? Mr. Something. No, yeah, I don't know. That, just uh, all I always know welcome people right. in his white suit. But yeah, he was cool, man. Ricardo Montalban is super cool. All I know is it's the plane, boss. Um, all right. Um, my next choice. I'm going to go with, and, and I don't believe we ever actually learned his name, although now I'm not sure, but from the X-Files, the smoking man who spent much of his... Uh, screen time in the back room uh, or in the background furiously puffing away at a cigarette which um, obviously in in this day and age would would never be allowed in a government building although he's the smoking man and apparently he does what he wants okay. but uh, he was you know Fox Mulder's nemesis uh, you know and then we we come to learn that perhaps he's uh, supportive of Mulder I mean but it's just very you know nebulous as to you know which side he's on and uh but for the most part he he does seem pretty pretty evil and pretty intent on uh you know preventing Mulder from doing anything uh relevant so I'm going to go with smoking man on this list somewhere okay well my actually this is my last one I think you got two more at least two more here um but uh, you know, stretching a little bit, we're talking sci-fi fantasy here, and I'm going to include, at least for this one, uh, superhero movies in this, so I can include uh, the Joker as played by Heath Ledger as being not just a great sci-fi fantasy villain, but just probably one of the best villains ever. <coughs> a guy who has just, you know, th- there's no... I mean, part of the thing of his character is we don't know what makes him tick. We don't know what his motivation is. It's not money. It's not power. It's it's just as as uh, Alfred the Butler says later, like some men just want to watch the world burn. And, and as far as we can tell for the Joker, that's all he wants. But he has a very innate sense of human nature, how to play off each other. And just, uh, you know... Um, you know, Heath Ledger really went out with uh, a, a an acting job for the ages. Yeah, him. and I think there was a lot of speculation at the time that it was going to be impossible to uh, compete with uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, and, and I think uh, most people would agree that uh, you know really was no comparison. That Heath Ledger's was, you know, you know much more powerful. Um, and, you know, but it's funny, you know, when, when Wayne came over tonight and we, you know, we just said, uh, we were talking about, you know, well, who you got for your list and this and that. And, and, you know, I think we both kind of forgot about, you know, the Superman, I mean, Lex Luthor, yeah. you know, Gene I mean, Hackman's Lex Luthor. Right. And, and I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, 
you know, from the, the comic. Now, I don't have a big comic background and, uh, you know, outside of a couple Superman movies and Batman movies, I'm not really, you know, that conversant. Uh, all right. Now, in, in this generation, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't read the books. Um, your kids are probably a little too young, right? To, or did they read the books? No, my, uh, my oldest, uh, okay. actually for school, he read, okay. uh, he read The Hobbit in uh, fifth grade, and then this year, uh, this past year, he read uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. So I was very impressed. Right. So, you know, Gollum, and, uh, you know, is certainly uh, a monster. I mean, what do we know about Gollum? Oh, well, we learned quite a bit, ultimately, about his backstory in The Hobbit, which actually I think was, was it written after? J.R. Tolkien went back and they read The Hobbit later, or for, I can never remember. But in The Hobbit, uh, Gandalf explains how um, that Gollum was once a, uh, a a creature not unlike the hobbits who found the ring and then killed his friend because of it and then went to live in a cave to stay with the ring where he turned into this right, creature. This, right, this hideous monster. All right, now another, uh, you know character from uh, certainly that that's made his mark in in this generation again maybe you know your kids probably read this one too uh although i'm not sure we're allowed to say his name out loud he who must not be named yes just say let's just keep it safe okay you never know if they have the uh Um, what what is it what they call it they call it the 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 thing that uh, if you say his name they know exactly where you are right okay so we're not going to say it we're not going to say it just uh, in case um you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to ignore the Harry Potter phenomenon and, and, and certainly the the arch nemesis of Harry throughout, uh, I don't know, was it all the books? I didn't read any of them. Wow, you haven't read the books? No, I, you know. Dave, come on. You read them. They're, they're, it, they are a treat. They're, they're really, really yeah. good books. You'll, you'll fly through them. They're very enjoyable. I have one on the shelf over there, but uh, yeah. still haven't read it. They're better than movies. My kids, I, I had all the books. And my sons have read them so much, they've destroyed them. I'm finding bits of Harry Potter books all over the house. They've, they've read them probably three, four, five times. They just keep reading and reading, reading and destroyed them. So much so that for Christmas, they went out and bought me a new set that is not destroyed. All right. So, but no question. And Ray Fiennes does a, a really good job of p- portraying Voldemort, which is you know, tough because a lot of it is CGI, his face. They obviously they do a lot of work on it because it's you know, not a human type face and everything. So, um, I got a couple more on here. Uh, one that that uh, you know, if you know the show Stargate SG One, which had ten seasons, and anytime you're picking up a new show, uh, ten seasons, two hundred and twenty episodes is rather daunting. But Apophis, who was a uh, a god, or at least he certainly saw himself as a god, and and his followers saw him as a god that uh, you know um, supposedly could not be killed could not be stopped and and just really you know just intent on wiping out the universe wiping out you know the human race and just uh you know pretty pretty bad guy so we're going to put him on the list um and then the last one that i wanted to mention is from 2001 and, and kind of an unusual approach but how the computer how is that's a, that's a good one i mean he's uh we're, we're not really sure of his motivation, you know, what is it that sets him off to basically take control of the ship, kill the astronauts, and, you know, for, for what reason? But, uh, you know, I guess one of the earlier 
um, you know, I hesitate to say the earliest, but certainly one of the earlier looks at technology gone awry and and that um, you know unlike a lot of the stories with technology gone awry say like dollhouse where you know it's really pretty clear that that we're misusing this technology and that you know that that perhaps we deserve you know what we get in you know in 2001 a space odyssey there doesn't seem to be you know it's just you know typical space exploration and you know all right, so what we'll probably do is uh, sit down. Uh, probably- well, actually, I thought also that that just uh, sparked one from you talking about. Okay, um, is that Crace uh, from oh. from uh, Farscape, Farscape, who ulti- again the guy who ultimately becomes a good guy, but uh, when he's the bad guy, he's much more entertaining as a bad guy. But also another guy whose motives we are are uncertain. We can't trust him, and we don't know. And he actually then takes on. The uh, the newborn, uh, what was the name of the new of Moya's child? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. We're getting old. Okay, we're memory old. just fails. Us, but but uh, but yeah. But he was still a, a very very. He, he was male. Good I remember egg. that much. Yes. <laughs> um, but oh, and what again? He was so cool looking. I mean, he had the, yeah. you know the all the all black, the little tiny little goatee, and the little t- you know little tiny beard and. Um, yeah, he he was. Um, he yeah, was well, a, all, yeah, the peacekeepers just as a as, as a group were a pretty cool looking group. You know, so. they, they had with the the trench coats and everything, and and, and ultimately uh, Crichton dons that uh, that becomes his outfit too with the big black trench coat and everything. So, all right. So, uh, anything else? No, that's it. I thought you know maybe just hold off for our top ten matches for later. Cause, you know, yeah, <laughs> and they've come right. up with a lot more villains than we thought we were going to. You yeah. Know? All right. So uh, now we're recording a couple days earlier uh, than normal because uh, somebody's going on a little vacation. Um, so we might uh, in the beautiful you know, Western New York and Toronto. So all right. So we the high life in yeah. Western New York. All right. So we might be a little uh, late getting up uh, the next episode, but uh, you know, fear not. Uh, we'll be taking a look at episode five from season one of Lost Girl. We'll be reporting back on our experience with the pilot episode for Vampire Diaries. And, uh, you know, we will we may or may not have a top ten list or, you know. Well, we got one because it was, it was our other top five list we are going to do tonight that we oh. ended up making, you know, instead of doing two top fives, we went and blew through a top ten. That we never named, we never ranked them, so maybe... I'll leave that to you. Okay. Rank them as you see fit. All right. We'll figure that out. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, until next time, Wayne, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a blast. And we'll see you guys uh, in weekish time. <laughs>